welcome back to our weird history episode where we seek to bring you tales of the strange and unusual throughout history. What are we talking about this week? <laughs> well, I mentioned in our last weird history when we talked about cheese, giant cheese wheels. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and we talked about how, how much we want to eat various cheeses and Make things. <laughs> don't remember said conversation. No, not at all. No, mm -mm. no but we did. Uh -huh. We did bring, of course, coffee into these situations, as we always do. I said that next weird history would be all about coffee. So here we go. Yay! We're going to talk about coffee throughout history. Well, yes, but no. So this is five historical bans and attempt historical attempts to ban coffee. Why would you want to ban the most amazing stuff? Why? Because it's delicious. So uh, before we get into the five bans I have, let's first talk about the history of coffee in terms of how it originated and how it's become a massive commodity worldwide. So as many of us know, there's a Starbucks around every corner uh, and several gourmet coffee shops, right? Starbucks ain't no gourmet coffee. It's considered gourmet coffee. If it's $5 a pop it's, and it's laden with sugar, I call it gourmet. Yeah. I didn't say it was good. I said it's gourmet. Yeah. But there's, okay, so within a mile in each direction, like left to right of my house, there's a 7-Eleven. One, two, three, four gourmet coffee houses that are not Starbucks's and two 7-Elevens within two and a half miles of my house. So there's a coffee, a, a place to get coffee practically on every corner, even if it's not a Starbucks. But we all, most of us that drink coffee tend to go for kind of like the gourmet stuff and you want the fancy flavors and uh, the lattes smothered in sugar and caramel syrup and whatnot. At least that's how most people drink their coffee. But there's so many also over the time, there's been so many different ways to brew coffee and different flavors infused in coffee. Oh, I love it. Love it. Love coffee so much. And during the 15 to 1700s, coffee was also seen as a way for the lower classes and the masses to gather and talk. And because it allowed the, the, the lower classes to gather, many governments actually viewed coffee itself as a threat to their ruling. And obviously, as we're going to talk about, tried to ban its systems from actually drinking it. But what is the origin of coffee? So as far as we know, the origin of coffee started in Ethiopia. Now we don't know when it was first brewed, but there is a legend behind it. And the story goes that one day a goat herder whose name is Caldi noticed his goat eating some local berries. <laughs> Every time these goats ate these berries, they would become incredibly energetic. If you've ever had a straight up espresso bean, I think you'll know how that works. Ah, oh, gets so bouncy. Oh, uh, back when I had, when I went, like in high school, I would still occasionally eat chocolate when I actually liked it. And my film studies teacher would always go to Costco and get those gigantic containers of chocolate covered espresso beans just to share with the first period class. And then I'd go back after school and pick some up before I caught the bus and went home because espresso is delicious. So imagine that. So apparently, according to legend, Collie's goats would become so energetic they wouldn't even sleep at night. So Collie, of course, was quite concerned about this. Um, I don't know why he went to seek his local abbot for advice, but I guess it's a certain thing for the time. But yes, he went to his local abbot. And the abbot said, well, let me look into this. He picked some of the berries, made a brew out of them and drank it. And he himself also became immediately and sustainably energetic and actually found that the energy from the coffee sustained him during his long evening sermons as well. And the other monks at the monastery would see their abbot with this much energy. And they're like, well, how are you so energetic? So he made them all cups of coffee. They all drank it. They were all stimulated and word began to spread. 
and from Ethiopia, the beans then spread to the nearby Arabian Peninsula, where its cultivation began in terms of as a, a, a big trade. So by the early 1500s, it was growing in the Yemeni district, and by the 1600s, it was known throughout most of the Middle East and working its way into the rest of Europe. But in Arabia, it wasn't just making a cup of coffee. Coffee houses began to pop up, and they were originally known as kavene, uh, but they also weren't just places to sit and enjoy a cup of coffee. You would go drink coffee, you would talk, socialize, you could watch actors perform, musicians perform, discuss current events, things we kind of do in some of the modern coffee houses. And the coffee houses soon took on a new name. They were known as schools of the wise. And coffee became known as the wine of Araby. And by the early 1600s, as well as I mentioned, it had made its way throughout most of Europe. And in England, by the early 1600s, coffee houses cropped up almost everywhere and they became known as penny universities with a cup of coffee costing one penny. So it was very affordable for the lower classes to drink coffee. And also in these penny universities, people would come, they gather, learn, socialize. And especially for those who weren't able to attend universities or colleges because they were too expensive, you could discuss current affairs and history and whatnot with the locals at your neighborhood coffee house. And as coffee began to spread rapidly, it also began to replace the morning beverages of wine and beer because obviously coffee kept everyone awake during the day. And in fact, many employers found that coffee helped to improve the work of their employees, which is probably where we start to get the coffee breaks from. So if coffee integrated itself into England in around the early 1600s, by 1750, in London alone, there were around 300 coffee houses. I don't know if that really sounds like a lot because the modern day coffee houses are practically everywhere, but 300 still sounds like a lot of coffee houses. You mean like they're not on every single other corner today? Oh, no, they are. I, I know I was being sarcastic. Yeah, no, they're on every single corner today. But thinking of the time frame of what you're talking about, yeah, 300 is a lot. Yeah. What's really interesting is so after reaching England, well, actually, before what when it was still in England, before the British kind of came to America, we have the Dutch settling in America first, because that's where we get New Amsterdam from, which then eventually became New York. And the Dutch brought coffee with them. But when the English came, though they liked coffee, they were obviously massive tea drinkers. So tea was kind of the most popular drink in the English colonies up until 1773 and the Boston Tea Party, which if you're not familiar with that, it's when the American colonists said, screw the tea tax, dumped a load of tea into the Boston Harbor and says, all right, now we drink coffee. By the 1700s, most of coffee's cultivation was still only in Arabia. So the Dutch, obviously now traveling to different continents, decided to take a hold of some seedlings and try to grow them in India. It didn't work out quite as well as they hoped, but they tried in the nearby islands of Java, Sumatra, and Celebs, which to this day, we still have coffee grown in those regions. So the coffee loves tropical and subtropical regions. In 1723, a young French naval officer who was able to obtain a seedling from King Louis took the seedling with him on his voyage to Martinique and the Caribbean. I don't have a whole lot of information and I would love to see more information on this, but apparently during the voyage, I mean, you got rough seas, you're crossing the Atlantic, but there were people who were either trying to steal or destroy this coffee seedling and they were also attacked by pirates. It just sounds like an interesting journey. But the seedling did make it to Martinique. And if you think the Arabian Peninsula was a great place to grow coffee, nothing like the Caribbean, apparently. Over the next 50 years in Martinique alone, this one seedling is said to have given way to over 18 million coffee trees. 18 million? In 50 years. Dang. Yeah. Also, I think, I, I know it's late, but I think I should have coffee now. I'm tired. 
Poppy is always a good choice. I know, but then will I go to bed soon? Because I got to get up early. Like 4 a.m. early. I don't really have a sensitivity to coffee, so that's up to you. I know, but I do. Then don't drink it. Have some tea. Tea, 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 tea. Yeah, but that means I have to get up. Fair. Yes, 18 million coffee trees. And in fact, it's also believed that this one seedling is the parent of all the coffee trees that grow within the Caribbean, Central, and South America. Which, of course, over time, I've probably been crossbred with other different types of coffees. But as the centuries wore on, coffee seedlings were taken to various places around the world. Some flourished and some died. Fortunes were made. Fortunes were lost. But because of its effects, of course, coffee was relied upon as a major export. And I did not know this, but to this day, even, coffee is the second most sought after commodity in the world. The only thing that surpasses it is oil. Oil, I can understand surpassing basically everything commodity wise. Right. But I didn't know coffee was that high up. I thought there would be a different food group, but I guess. Maybe at least sugar. I don't know. Yeah. Sugar or even flour, wheat, like a basic grain that we use to survive but no it's coffee 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 now i'm gonna have a cup of coffee tomorrow morning i usually do that most mornings i've got work tomorrow so i won't be having my usual morning cup of coffee at work i've been trying to wean myself off of coffee like having it every day because i was having a lot again and i didn't want to repeat of previous years so I've been drinking like matcha and stuff. And uh, this episode is making me reconsider my choices. Well, I mean, wait to the end. I bring up some other historical figures. We'll see what you go with that. So now that we've talked about a general history of coffee and its major role worldwide, how about we get into the bands? <laughs> so first on our list is the first known band towards coffee, which happened in Mecca in 1511. So as I mentioned before, governments believe that coffee, because of its stimulating effects, would inspire the citizens to gather and socialize and believe that if this happened, there could be radical or anti-government ideas that would spread and, of course, topple the government and their power. Here in Mecca, it's said that a local official named Kadir saw some men drinking outside of coffee house one day and believe them to be acting suspiciously. No word on to exactly what the men were doing. Now, it's not specifically certain how Kaira was able to create the ban, but we do know he used religious justifications for it, saying that coffee itself was anti-Muslim, because he was Muslim, Muslim-run country. Um, but it didn't last long. <laughs> but according to the ban, in Mecca, anyone caught drinking coffee was beaten. Anyone growing coffee was beaten. Anyone consuming coffee in any way was beaten. Anyone trading in coffee was beaten. But it didn't last long, as you will find a major theme of that here. It was only lifted in just a matter of weeks. Sounds about right. Over time, there would be other attempts in Mecca to ban coffee, most of them being lifted in weeks, if not less. It's kind of like in America when we try to ban prohibition. That didn't go very well either. Or we tried to ban alcohol with prohibition. That, that didn't go very well. I was going to say, you mean moonshine? Anything. We're like, we're going to make moonshine America is they, That didn't work. I mean, moonshine is basically what they made during the prohibition to continue to have alcohol. Yes, but there was also a lot of underground importation too. That combination you know yeah there, there's yeah. always more than one option i mean banning coffee is kind of like trying to ban alcohol and make something dry it's just not really gonna work i think not really is an understatement it's just not going to work not really the, you'll like this next one so the second band we're going to travel from mecca and we're going to go to england and italy both within the late 1600s and it was sort of a combination between these two so 
in this case, it wasn't so much the government's concern over the stimulation of coffee, but the Catholic Church. This one I thought was really interesting. So Catholic priests and clergy at the time saw coffee as satanic and believed it would lead many to discuss anti-church ideals, whereas the governments would believe they would be anti-government ideals talked about. And Catholic priests and clergy demanded that the Pope ban anyone from being able to drink it. They also called coffee the bitter invention of Satan. And there's some really good books about uh, I would about the history of coffee in the Catholic Church. It's very interesting, actually. Of course, as another theme throughout here, that didn't work. <laughs> so when these bishops and clergy decided to take the matter up with Pope Clement VIII, he said, you know, hold on. Let me let me at least try it's a drink you guys let me let me try it first i can't just go banning things willy-nilly let me try it first before we decide if we're going to ban all catholics from being able to consume this drink just because it's satanic doesn't mean that it's really satanic what do you think he did tried the coffee well yes he was going to do that oh i don't know what after tasting it it says that he loved it so much, he made a passing comment that coffee itself should be baptized. We must baptize the coffee beans! I just died. Yep, yep. <laughs> He's like, oh, wow, this is so good. Oh, this is this is a heavenly drink. I, I, I'm going to, I must say. <laughs> So with this quote-unquote new papal blessing from the Pope, coffee was now saved from damnation, and coffee houses were once again on the rise through Catholic areas throughout Europe, of course. But that's only two out of five. Next on our list, we're going to go back to Arabia, to the Ottoman Empire in the 1600s. And this takes place specifically in 1623. And ruler Murad IV took the throne and immediately put a ban on coffee and all its cultivation throughout the entire Ottoman Empire, which at the time was massive. And of course, as we mentioned before, there were punishments. If you were found to be drinking, consuming, trading in anything with coffee. First offense. As before, you would be beaten. But you only got two chances. There's no three strikes you're out. It's two chances and something else. Second and last offense. If you were caught consuming, trading in anything regarding coffee, you would be sewn into a leather bag alive and then tossed into the nearby river to drown. That, that, that's, that's a horrible death. Yeah. All for consuming a drink. But that's not it for Murad either. So legend goes that he would prowl the streets of Istanbul in disguise looking for anybody consuming coffee. And if he found anybody disobeying his law, he would confront them, draw out apparently the broadsword he always carried around with him, reveal his identity to the guilty party, and then immediately decapitate them on the spot just for consuming coffee. Saddens, saddens. But of course, that didn't last long either. So after the Ottoman man, we don't see another major attempt to try to ban coffee for about another 140 years or so. So 1746, I'm sorry, 120 years. In 1746 in Sweden, of all places, which is interesting because Sweden is actually one of the highest consuming coffee countries in the world. But actually, turns out, coffee had actually made its way to Sweden about a hundred years before, but wasn't widely enjoyed. But by 1746, it had also become the preferred drink amongst the wealthy, obviously now creating a demand for it. At the time, King Gustav III was so, I don't want to say offended, but that's the best word I can think of at the top of my head. Um, he put out a royal edict stating that coffee as well as tea are banned in the country 
due to a misuse and excess of drinking both beverages. He also outlawed the use of anything that was deemed to be coffee paraphernalia, coffee pots, coffee stirrers, coffee cups, which, mind you, could just be regular cups. I'm not sure exactly how, but you can certainly, uh, any you know, coffee press, a French press, if they were around the time, you know, just a whole, anything that you could use to make coffee was deemed to be illegal. Anyone caught drinking either tea or coffee were also made to pay very heavy taxes. And if you failed to pay these taxes, you would see the local police coming into your home and confiscating all of your coffee paraphernalia. But that's not the worst of it. I told you there was a theme of punishment for consumption of coffee. So in addition to this confiscation of your paraphernalia, anyone who was also caught drinking coffee was sentenced to death. This time though, the punishment was certainly far more unusual than just being beaten to death or left to drown. In Sweden, if you were sentenced to death for coffee consumption, your punishment would be to die via coffee consumption. How do you die via coffee consumption? Do they like poison the coffee or something? No. Or do they just make you drink so much coffee? Yes. Oh. Literal death by coffee. Oh, that's harsh. And it's not just that either. You would be forced to drink cup after cup after cup after cup of coffee. Well, doctors would watch on to determine how many cups it would take to kill you. And then use that on the next person who was supposed to die. There's actually, um, I don't know if it's, I mean, technically it's, a, it's like a, a little history meme, but it's a little history blurb on something that I can have up. But there was also because it was also illegal to consume tea, there was also a punishment, the same thing. If you consume tea, you'd be, your punishment would be to die drinking cup after cup after cup of tea. Now, the interesting thing in Sweden is that King Gustav III was assassinated. I don't know if it's directly related to coffee, but it helped. <laughs> and after the king was assassinated, the doctors were also assassinated. But the ex- people doing experiments on how much you know the, the tea drinkers versus the coffee drinkers they were doing there were a couple coffee drinkers who far outlived the tea drinkers if that interests you at all i do still like tea too so i, I can't live without both coffee and tea but apparently in this case the, the tea drinkers died first before the coffee drinkers did I find that fascinating because coffee certainly has far more caffeine in it, depending on also how you're making it too. The last one on our list today was one of my favorites. So this takes us to Prussia in 1777 and was instigated by Frederick III. I I think you might know who he is. Oh, no. No. I've never heard of this person. No. Who? <laughs> that that uh, was it as a rap battles of history put it that flute busting Prussian King Frederick the Third Frederick the Great. <laughs> right, I love. It. I can't battles. believe you just quoted rap battles. I love epic <laughs> rap battles of history, man. Ah, oh, miss. I love it too, but I wasn't expecting you to quote it. And every time I think of Frederick the Great, I think of that flute busting Prussian, and then the, the lyrics start popping in my head, and I can't get them out. And now you're singing it in your head as we speak. Yeah, it works. But this was also a bit different. So if in Arabia, coffee was seen as anti-government, and England and Italy, it was seen as anti-Catholic, and technically in Sweden, it was more seen as anti-royalty, sort of, I guess. I'm not sure. And Prussia, it was a whole different issue altogether. So instead of anti-government, anti-Catholic, this case, it would be a feud between two different drinks, coffee versus beer. Although caffeinated beer is kind of tasty. I still go with coffee. I don't like beer. I know you don't. I don't usually like hard cider though. I, I mean, I've got coffee brandy. 
definitely prefer my coffee like cooler, but I'm not a huge fan of beer myself either. Depends on the beer. But during the late 1700s, Prussia's consumption of beer had begun to dwindle because coffee's consumption was on the rise. And Frederick believed beer was far superior to coffee, having been brought up drinking beer since he was quite young, which was a standard thing that most people did, and would also drink a glass every morning with breakfast. As I mentioned before, coffee replaced the morning beverages of wine and beer. Also, this is still around the same time that you don't have potable water, if you will, or fresh water like we have today, at least. So in order to counteract this coffee versus beer issue, Frederick put out a royal decree encouraging his people to drink beer instead. And I have a little bit from the decree if you'd like me to read it. <laughs> so it's, uh, it, he's quoted as saying, it is disgusting to notice the increase in the quantity of coffee used by my subjects and the amount of money that goes out of the country as a consequence. Everybody's using coffee. This must be prevented. My people were, must drink beer. <laughs> his majesty was brought up on beer and so were both his ancestors and officers. Many battles have been fought and won by soldiers nourished on beer. And the king does not believe that coffee drinking soldiers can be relied upon to endure hardships in case of another war. So uh, apparently he believed that drunk officers were far better in battle than caffeinated officers. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe not necessarily drunk, but I, I, would, I would think that somebody strung out on caffeine would be of a better use than somebody who's had one too many drinks. But again, I don't know what the alcohol content of the beer was by that time. And we always think, if you think back to the Egyptians, right? We do know that their major drink of choice was alcohol in some form because they also did not have the kind of water we have today. But I'm sure it was far more diluted and less alcohol content than what we might have today in terms of our alcohol. Because you definitely don't want drunk employees. What are you talking about? Of course you do. It'd be such a great experience. <laughs> and they've done that. And not me. That was uh, co-workers of mine. Ooh, ugh, ugh. Yeah. I'm so sorry to your co-workers for having to deal with that bug. I mean, I'd rather them hung over than drunk. But I've definitely worked with some drunk co-workers. That was a long, long time ago in another job, long, long ago. But as always with this fam, also short-lived, also a theme. And there's actually a book called The Introduction of Coffee to Germany by William Ukers that was published in 1781. And in the book, it specifically states that the king could no longer keep his people from enjoying a hot cup of coffee. But it doesn't end there. So the king still tried to keep coffee consumption at bay and decided that anyone who wanted to make it had to have a special license to roast and sell it, which of course would be quite expensive. Or you could have it done at a royal roasting establishment. Again, quite expensive. So many within the government, the clergy and nobility could of course afford these licenses and on top of that, Frederick realized it made him a lot of money to have essentially a monopoly on coffee cultivation in his country. But anyone from the non-upper classes applying for a license were always strictly denied. In addition to that, he also had people that were called coffee sniffers or also coffee smellers who apparently would go around the kingdom sniffing, sniffing and sniffing to try to find those who violated the king's law. And these were often military veterans. And if these essentially spies found anyone creating, consuming illegal coffee, the accused would be arrested and these sniffers would actually collect 25% on all the fines. 
So it was a kind of lucrative spy business. But despite all this attempts, coffee still, as we see it today, is on the rise. And much like in many places around the world, you can't stop it. And you would also find various artists and intellectuals of the day frequenting the local coffee houses. Many of them, as we're about to get into, were quite addicted to it. And no, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no you no. go ahead. I was just going to say, I don't think we're really going to see a, uh, what do you call it, a down spiral in the demand for coffee anytime soon or maybe i don't even think in yours or in my lifetime we're ever going to see a coffee down spiral demand uh, no 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 uh, everyone is pretty much raised up on coffee from a certain age and even if you don't drink coffee like my, my aunt never drank coffee but she enjoyed the smell of it but she liked tea so it's still it, it, she drank a lot of soda so she's definitely more of a caffeine and sugar addict but she definitely didn't like coffee much, but she enjoyed the smell. So in terms of artists and intellectuals, I did not know this, and I got to look this up. Composer Johann Sebastian Bach was also apparently quite so in love with coffee. He wrote music about it. It's a one-act comedy operetta that actually satirizes both sides of this, quote, war on coffee between coffee and beer. And it's called the Coffee Cantata. And as an opera lover, I just and a coffee lover, I kind of have to look this up later. Now, before we go, do you want to look at uh, some notable figures from history who were also caffeine and coffee addicts? Of course, I do. <laughs> I'm sure you'll recognize almost all of them. Let's uh, let's see, let's see. We we will see. I I'm. Watch me like draw random blanks and I go, damn it, I know that person in history. Oh no, you'll know them. So first on our list, one of my absolute favorites, but not my favorite on this list for sure. And that's saying something is Samuel Pepys. Never heard of him. No. <laughs> we no, it's not like that's not like I you know, I've lent you my book. <laughs> it's not like you've lent me your book. It's not like you I've actually you've never talked about him i i that name it doesn't it hold on no 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 light bulbs are going off here <laughs> no not 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 it's like 12 volume diary entries 12 15 volume diary entries oh my god so in case some aren't familiar samuel peace was an english member of parliament and a massive di like diary diarist i guess you call him he was really good at recording his day-to-day -day life but also he was very influential and lived through very many historical moments throughout english history in the 1600s and according to the blog coffee addicts throughout history they give samuel peeps three beans out of five and they say that he frequented the country's first coffee house known as the angel and spent most of his days in the coffee houses and would drink liters of coffee every day liters? yes but he only gets three beans out of five three beans out of five here you go <laughs> three beans out of five but drink liters of them every day Okay. Uh-huh. So next on our list here is Johann Sebastian Bach, who is a classical composer. And the blog gives him three beans out of five as well. And as I mentioned, he wrote the coffee cantata. And actually a quote from the cantata itself is, if I can't drink my bowl of coffee three times daily, I will shrivel up like a piece of roasted goat. Wow, that's quite the addiction right there. Nothing compared to the next person on our list. You ready for this one? Mm -mm. No. I'm never ready. Mm -mm. One of my absolute favorite historical people ever. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not guessing. I'm not doing this. <laughs> you have so many. Well, I would say one of my favorite notable French, uh, notable figures in French history, but that also doesn't really narrow it down either. But I would well, say he's it, certainly it, one of my two. 
Would it be the Marquis de Sade? No. Damn it. But he lived during the same time as the Marquis de Sade. No, I gave my guess. I'm done. <laughs> the only other one would be Voltaire, of course. Oh, Voltaire. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help myself. <laughs> Voltaire is the highest rated coffee addict on their list in terms of historical figures. And he obviously gets a five out of five. Drink upwards of 40 cups of coffee a day, according to reports. The question is, how big were these cups? It's a very good question. How big were they? Were they in liters as well? <laughs> I, I doubt it. I have a feeling he's probably drinking like a really small, you know, like the teacup you get in like a saucer, but not like our big coffee mugs that we have today. I don't think he's drinking like a 20, a 16 ounce mug of coffee 40 times a day. I think it's probably an eight ounce glass or he's doing like espresso or something like that. But I don't know specifically. But he also apparently preferred mochas. He liked to mix chocolate with his coffee, which a lot of people do. I love me a mocha. I'm just saying you. I know you are. <laughs> it's okay. You like things I don't like, and I like things you don't like. Mm-hmm. He also credited his greatest ideas to being in the throes of coffee, which if you're hyped up on the caffeine... Yeah, you, you kind of feel like you can get practically anything done. And as a philosopher, I'm sure there's a lot of different thoughts in his head. Nah. Nah. <laughs> Next up, we have Beethoven, who I knew was a coffee lover. Ooh. But I don't know that I would have put him as a coffee addict, but apparently so. So he gets a four out of five beans and apparently would incredibly meticulous about creating his coffee i don't know if maybe he had ocd or he was incredibly protective of his coffee but according to the blog he would count out 60 coffee beans at a time before brewing them and insisted on preparing the coffee himself using a glass machine used similar to a cafetiere so he was very insistent about making his own coffee and was very insistent about how meticulous he was about creating his coffee. Well, but they didn't say how much he drank though, but he did get four beans out of five. And better last, than the three. <laughs> still more than three. Well, the last on the list also gets four beans out of five. This is Soren Kierkegaard, who was a, a philosopher in the 1800s. And according to the blog, he would fill his cup up to the rim with sugar and then poured strong coffee over the sugar and then would knock back his mixture in one gulp. I would say Kierkegaard preferred sugar, coffee-flavored sugar rather than sugar-flavored coffee. Can, can I also mention he missed out on the enjoyment of actually sipping the coffee? He drank it in one gulp. It's like taking a shot. <laughs> um, that's not really so much where I was going to go with that, actually. So, no, no, you're not, he's not tossing back liquid. He's tossing back a cup filled to the brim with sugar and then pour coffee into it. Ugh. Right. You know, you know, I like sweet stuff. Yeah. You know me and my sugar tooth, which I've been getting better at, by the way. But aside from that, that is like too much. I had a man. And I know my limit. Like, oh, can you imagine his teeth? Not just that. Not just that <laughs> but, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, just to start off, yes, I can imagine the teeth. I had a man, a general manager once at one of my jobs, and we both love coffee, but I love coffee with a little sugar or more of like flavored cream, really. I don't like sugar in my coffee, but he would drink. 30 packets of sugar, much like Kierkegaard, put 30 packets of sugar in his coffee cup before pouring coffee in it and then drinking it. And he would frequently have gallstones and kidney stones. I wonder why. Yeah. 
You just think about the amount of sugar you're intaking. I can also imagine he's probably had several cavities from that and very yellow teeth. Well, Kierkegaard, maybe. My manager did brush his teeth a little more frequently, but <laughs> it was a movie theater. We were, I mean, we were surrounded by sugar anyway. That's true. That's true, but that doesn't mean you need to eat it. True. He apparently used to drink a lot more sugar in his coffee, but once he had his first kidney stones, his doctor told him to cut back, so he cut back 10 packets. I'm sorry. You said 30 packets per coffee, and he per cut back from 40? That's what he told me. Was your boss deranged or something? <laughs> no, he was also really hyper. Oh, I but let me think about the reasons of why that could be. But he was also really tired all the time, too. Huh? <laughs> what? I say he's also quite tired often, too. Oh, Sugar let me again think about you. why that could be. <laughs> Is it because he's had an over amount of sugar, which exhausts you, along with the caffeine, which, by the way, coffee does this thing where it doesn't give you a steady rush of energy. It's like a quick high and then a quick low like, like it doesn't rush. except yeah it's like a sugar is more rush. of a peak rather than a, a, a mountain a hill yeah well sugar is like a like here i've reached the pink of mount mount mckinley and now i'm dropping with with caffeine you've got a little bit longer of a steady period but not very much longer it's not like having like protein and i've gotten a steady amount of energy until the protein is fully gone from my system caffeine you are going to have a drop at some point yeah caffeine is a temporary solution and not only you're not, you're, you're not just going to have a drop in your energy levels you're going to have a big drop in your blood pressure because you're also now quite dehydrated yeah, because coffee dehydrates you. Hence, you need to drink water after you have a glass of coffee. So does sugar. And the sugar. It's the coffee and the sugar. It's the combination. Which is also why maybe 30 packets is a little bit <laughs> too much. Well, let's take out, let's just drop the little. 30 packets is too much. I get being surrounded by it in a movie theater. I, I really do, but also called self-control yeah yeah i know it's hard because i have problems with it but it's not impossible well i think most people do there have been so many times where i've overworked myself whether i was working two jobs three jobs school whatever where i was drinking coffee to kind of stay awake until i finished whatever it is i needed to finish but because i felt like i'd been you know like or or i'd been awake for like two days two three days because you know insomnia is horrible <laughs> i hate it but you know you're gonna drink coffee and you, your body is like well you know if you shoot some sugar into me i'll be awake so give me some sugar give me some sugar which of course you want the sugar because you know it's going to give you that boost but you also are going to crash crazy hard and I've learned many times the hard way of that. And I've over time made an active decision to, if I have not slept in two or three days or I need to, to pull an all-nighter for one reason or another, protein. Coffee and protein, yes, but protein for sure. If you want to be successful in staying awake and having a good source of energy, you're not going to want to go for caffeine. You're going to want to go for protein. Right. You can have caffeine with your protein, like you said. I completely agree. But I, if I want to do something, I'm going to go first for the protein. I will go have nuts in some form because it is a source of protein, or I'll cook myself up an egg or two. If I want an easy form or tofu, if I want to be vegetarian, vegan, whatever, cook up some chicken, but anything that is a source of protein, you can have your caffeine with your protein, but you cannot have caffeine without the protein. If you want to succeed in staying awake and working. Yeah. 
uh, there was, I, I think it was sometime last month. I, although I had slept, I had maybe gotten four, three or four hours of DC sleep for about four nights in a row. I just had horrible insomnia for about a week. And I was just dead at work, which of course is not my normal demeanor. Despite the lack of sleep, it's just not my normal demeanor, as you well know. And I, of course, keep coffee at work. I keep tea at work too, but I keep coffee at work where I'll, or I'll hit up the, the gas station on the way to work and get some. There's a whole cabinet, little little cabinet in our, in what we used to have as our, um, where we lockers. keep our, yeah. Yeah. Thank yeah, it's you. right next to the library the too, which is all, all of my books. <laughs> oh, I wonder who else's books they could be. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I mean, a couple of my coworkers have maybe three or four books in there as the, as a whole, but the rest of the books are all mine. <laughs> yeah. But, but my coworkers, you know, they've read them, but I, I don't, you, you know me, I don't like sugar as a whole. I don't, I'm not a candy fan. I don't like donuts. I mean, I'll eat them, but I don't like them. But I had happened to stop by the dollar store the day before because I was already tired. And I was sometimes you get too tired to sleep. And it's just kind of one of those things. It kind of is like, I I'm so tired. I can't sleep now. So I ended up picking up a package of hot dogs, which, you know, aren't the best, but it's still protein. And I literally... I had lunch with me and I brought breakfast and every meal I have has protein in it, but I was so dead and exhausted that I was snacking on hot dogs between meals while I was at work, but it kept me awake far better than any of the sugar could. Yeah, because while hot dogs may not be the best, it doesn't really matter. It's still about it protein. being the best. Yeah. Well, I always keep pumpkin seeds and nuts at work too, but I was too tired to chew. Hot dogs were simpler to eat. Yeah. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. And at the end of the day, if, if your form of protein is a hot dog, it doesn't really matter. Sometimes that's what you can afford and that's what you buy. Well, my, my usually eggs and chicken as well, but I was like, I just, I'm going to take this entire package of hot dog to work and eat it along with the rest of my food. But it, it worked far better than trying to get a bag of potato chips or gummy bears or something from the vending machines, far better choice. Yeah. Because that protein is going to help you along the way. Like, so I get up now at 4 a.m. for work I'm at mm, work mm, mm. I might be asleep by 4 a.m. on occasion but I will never get up at 4 a.m. well it's that or sitting an extra hours worth of traffic coming home so I'd rather just come home and nap so I'm up by 4 a.m. I'm not hungry before I leave so I don't actually end up eating I normally end up having either a cup of coffee or a matcha didn't have matcha with or an dirty chai I haven't been making dirty chai because I don't have any chai right now. I'm kind of out. Oh no. I know it's disappointing. <laughs> Disappointed in myself. Okay. Thanks for the reminder. You're welcome. And and then I put if if I don't even finish the whole drink, I'll put it in my my uh, my mug that to go, take it to work, finish it off. And by the first break, I'm like time for breakfast because I have I make two eggs I put it in my container put it in my lunch bag and I take it to work and then two eggs is enough to hold me so I'm at work by six my first break is at eight I don't go to my lunch until 11 30 11 45 and those two eggs hold me tied me over from 8 a.m to 11 30 and that's all I've had since four in the morning, other than tea or coffee. Can't do that. I get way too hungry to do that. But I also don't drive to work. I walk to work. And it's three miles in each direction. It's, a, it's an hour of walking. It's not that much in a casual pace. But I, I, I will. But I also generally have far more energy than you do. But also, I can't walk to work work is 25 miles away no I meant 
Well, yes, but I'm saying just in general, I even when I was taking the metro to work, I've just I'm sometimes I'm hungry as soon as I get up. I don't eat immediately, but I well, you're also you far more on what time what time we start shift, but usually say if I start shift at 9 30, my first break's at eleven thirty and then lunch is around like one thirty. You're also far more active than I am. That's true. But I'm also just generally much more energetic than you. I I'm just tend to be much more hyper but I've on many occasions gone to work or had breakfast before I left for work whether I took a bus to work or walked to work it made no difference and then I don't have my first break till 11 30 but by the time 11 30 would roll around I was crazy hungry and that's when I, I I get I get um migraines if I don't have enough at least protein first thing in the morning and I would normally eat breakfast at like 7.30, but then by 11.30, 12.30, depending on if we're running late, I'm starving by the time we have first breaks. And coffee for a longer time pretty much just used to be my breakfast plus some scrambled eggs or something. Oh, don't I know that? Mm-hmm. I remember. Mm-hmm. Coffee's my breakfast. And Coffee's like, Coffee still my see, but the thing is, I'm probably different than most people when it comes to coffee. I will I I do prefer lattes because I love milk, but I I don't care if it's black coffee, creamed coffee, just, lattes, whatever. But I'm sorry, did you say you were different? No. <sighs> Never. <sighs> Why but I can make a 20 ounce cup of coffee last eight hours because I sip it. I can't not down like most people will probably get a 16 ounce cup of coffee and finish it within an hour or two tops yeah that's what most people do that's not what i do i'll make a 20 ounce coffee last almost an entire day at work but i sip on it and i trade off to drinking cop to between coffee and water throughout the shift or sometimes i'll if i've if i've got a 16 ounce cup maybe i'll, I'll like the first half of my my shift and then after lunch, I'll trade off and drink water, you know, but I definitely cannot finish a cup of coffee with a, an, an under an hour. I'm, I'm a sipper, but as I said, I'm usually more active than you. I'm gen, gen I just typically have a ton more energy because I'm just a hyper kind of a person. Even if I wake up hungry, I have gotten in the habit of now going to work half an hour early so that I can have breakfast before my shift starts so that if lunches are running late, which happens on occasion, I'm not crazy hungry with the beginnings of a migraine by the time lunch comes around because then the rest of the day I'm just miserable. And it works. It's very simple. My breakfast is just oatmeal and eggs. Yeah, again, the protein in there. Yeah. Well, it the, the oatmeal has protein, the chia seeds, the nuts I put into it, Sometimes I'll put protein powder into it. And then of course, scrambled eggs on top of that. So it's, I, I like having my protein. Every meal I eat has some kind of protein in it. Yep. And it makes a big difference and it keeps you full. Well, you're able, I've become more active than I used to be. I'm up earlier on the weekends. Like I don't sleep in past nine o'clock. And that's, again, that's me sleeping in because 4 a.m. is my normal wake-up time for work. So I sleep in two days out of seven, and normally I'm up by eight. Every once in a while, I'm like, I'm going to sleep that extra half an hour to an hour. (laughs) But by nine o'clock latest, I am up now. And I'm not in bed on some of the, some like Friday night. I may have been up at four in the morning on Friday because I went to work on Friday. I won't be in bed until 10, 11 because I'm doing other things. And I've made a commitment to myself to now go walking at least twice a month. And by walking, I mean like three, a three, four mile, like trail hike. Oh. Not, not really a hike. It's like a trail walk. Like, oh, like, like over at trail. Yeah. yeah. But it, it has its ups and its downs. And, and it makes me stop. It makes me take some pictures. It makes me enjoy. And it means I'm out of the house and I'm walking. 
Well, I was going to say your photography classes require you to go out of the house and you've been out wandering, walking around the neighborhood and, and certain areas in the woods and stuff taking pictures. Yeah. And the city too. I go into the city. But yeah, you went down to the festivals. And the museums. But yeah, I mean, it, it's just, plus the weather's getting, well, weather's getting too hot over here, but it's getting nice and rainy up where you're at. I'll trade you. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, but we have one major problem. I don't want to pay your gas prices right now. I don't want to pay my rent prices either. Yeah, those must have gone up. Oh, no, I mean, my rent hasn't gone up. It's still affordable from what I get paid, but it's it's certainly on the cheap end for stuff out here for sure. But LA County is just expensive. It Trust me, it's not much cheaper up here. I've been doing the research and comparing and contrasting so I can move out. I work full-time, get paid above minimum wage, and I still cannot afford a freaking studio apartment for myself. I can barely afford a room. I mean, it was like that in DC. I grew up just outside DC. Cost of living is pretty much the same out here. Just sales tax is far cheaper out there. Yep. But gas prices would probably be the same price out there too. Uh, I, I don't know what it's like out there right now. I know. I haven't been out there for 10 years. Almost 10 years. And I have no intention on going back permanently. I mean, I went for a visit, but it's time for me to log off so I can get ready for bed. <laughs> oh, sleepy bye, because me gotta get up. Well, go get yourself prepped for coffee in the morning. <laughs> You're already starting to yawn. Well, I've been yawning earlier. That's why I was like, I should have a cup. But then I was like, nah, I gotta go to bed. Yeah. But that'll well, do for me. Huh? I was saying, well, I hope you enjoyed this one though. Oh no, not at all. It's all about coffee. Of course I enjoyed it. Coffee, 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 coffee. <laughs> You've seen George the Jungle. Yeah. Yeah, which is such a great childhood movie. But do you remember the part where he's first in the city and he's like downing the coffee grounds? He's like, jump, 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 jump. That was funny. All righty. That'll do. go. And uh, I, um, just like last week, or last Weird History, when you, we asked our, our, our listeners, what's your favorite type of cheese and how do you like to eat it? Let us know your favorite kinds of coffee and how you like to drink it. Yeah. Sorry. I dropped something and I didn't mean to. Uh-oh. Well, how about you go drop some Zs and we'll sign off for today. I like this plan. <laughs> so I will talk to you another time and that'll do for this his episode of History Explains It All. And we hope to see you next week as we trick through history too. Did you tell them where they could find us? Oh God, I have my moments. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget to find us on our Instagram and history explains it all underscore podcast is that's the same for our Facebook. Don't forget to reach out to us via our email at history explains all at gmail.com. It's how you can reach us topics, ideas, opinions, reviews. You want to send it to us via email? Please do. We'd love to hear from you. And please leave us a rate and review wherever you can, wherever you listen to us. That's how other people find us. And we'd really appreciate it. Yeah, I, I was, um, I believe Spotify now allows you to uh, rate podcasts, which of course we are on Spotify. So if you happen to listen to us there, feel free to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Do it, do it, do <laughs> it. Well, I'll, um, so and that'll then we'll we'll uh, chat with everybody next week. Yes, and we totally botched this outro. <laughs> yeah, well, it's nine o'clock at night. You're tired. I'm starting to get tired. Yeah, I gotta turn my fans back on because it was hot today. Yep. Yep. I even changed out of my work clothes because even I was warm. Yeah, well, it was 85 today. Disgusting. But anyway, I'll let you go. 
and we will talk to everybody next week yes we will (laughs) bye